0: Welcome to Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. I'm your host, Tom Masters, and we have our special guest, Deborah Mellon, from the Impossible Dream Project, returning to share her story of recovery after a really tragic accident. Thank you, Tom. And Deborah. thank you again for coming back on our show. Deborah Mellon is a good friend of ours. She's known my wife for over 30 years. They met in Italy. And just to review our last podcast, she was involved in a tragic car accident, and she was paralyzed. Her husband resuscitated her. She went through rehab. Then about two or three years later, her husband passed away from a heart attack. She ended up back in the States by herself, without a husband, but she did have her family support. What she shared in the last podcast, which I encourage you to listen to, is her story of coming out of the, coming out of this what what we call the abyss, really dark hole. And the essence of her recovery was being distracted, staying busy, but actually moving forward. And so, Deborah, I'd like to welcome you back to the show, and I'm excited to hear more about your journey out of the hole. And we stopped the last podcast on the story of of a certain thing that your father said that I thought was remarkably wise. And um, so anyway, um, we appreciate you sharing this story. It's it's a tough one. It's
0: a pleasure to be
1: back. So you you mentioned a statement that your father said. You mentioned that your parents were Holocaust survivors, which is not a big deal. It's a huge deal. And you stated you never had understood how they could actually thrive and survive after going through an ordeal like that. And you said your father said one thing of, of just keep moving forward Was number one. But you also made a comment of something you said, which I think is remarkable.
0: And it was, that, that was, he also told me to not ask why. That if, I, if I'm looking for an answer why this happened to me, I'll, I'll never find it and just be, ser- be searching and not move, and I wouldn't move forward.
1: Did he give that advice to you relatively quickly or is something she sort of figured out immediately?
0: Immediately. Uh, immediately? Immediately. And what affected that? the first thing have? when I, I asked him why, and that's immediately what he told me. Wow.
1: The reason I want to highlight that because there's research that shows that 90% of people that are in chronic pain or had an accident or were injured by their employer, et cetera, of people actually hold on to the situation or person that injured them. In other words, they're hanging on to it. They're angry, they're frustrated. And as you and I have talked about, when you're angry and frustrated, it changes your body's chemistry, so it decreases your sense of well-being. And we all know this intellectually, that if you remain angry, the only person that actually suffers is you. And so that's a pretty big deal to say, don't ask why. And even in my own journey, I was in chronic pain for 15 years. There's lots of my life that disappeared because of my chronic pain. And your statement, by the way, when I saw you last week, was really important to me because I'm, I'm going, well, why did I go through this? I didn't have to go through this. But I wouldn't, able, I wouldn't be able to help other people the way I can help them without having gone through the same journey myself. And the question that actually drives me crazy is, Why? And so that statement you, meant, you, you mentioned last week really, really hit me hard. And I thought it was, I thought it was remarkable. But anyway, um, so at that point, you had gone down to Florida. And the group was called Shake a Leg. Is that
0: correct? Shake a Leg, Miami.
1: Miami. And they, started, it, they introduced you to water sports. And about how many years ago was that?
0: about i'd say maybe 12 15 years ago i started sailing there so i would only be there for a few months during the winter okay um i originally was down in miami for a surgeon dr barth green and um a place called the miami project to cure paralysis okay and i would go down to florida and Slowly, I became more and more involved with Shake-A-Leg Miami, and my life started to change.
1: What, there, I, it, excuse me? What was t- I mean, you mentioned earlier that you know, staying busy and distracted was helpful, but you mentioned that you also had quite a bit of pain before you started getting involved in these projects. So I'm just curious as some of the ways your life started to change as you became involved with this project.
0: I started, I stopped numbing myself with medications. Okay. Because I had something more interesting to be involved in. And okay. I think that, were, that was a big part of it. And I had, I had something that I loved. And besides loving sailing, at Shake a Leg, I was able to volunteer there. And I worked with different groups of people and children taking them sailing. And that was very, it became something fulfilling in, in a way for me. And it took me, you know, when when tragedy happens and then pain on top of it, you become very self-centered right. and it's all about you. And so the the biggest thing was to... Come out of thinking only about myself in a way and thinking that th- there's more out there and slowly, I somehow thought I could be helpful to others
1: what did your medication I, did your medications drop down were you able to start decreasing medications i
0: I completely stopped decreasing medication i I, I basically just i I stopped, I decreased medication. Yes. Okay. And I stopped taking sleeping pills.
1: Okay. So some pretty big changes. Yes. How soon Very after big. you started working with, how soon after you started working with these kids and different disabled people, did you start feeling better? Is that relatively quickly?
0: I, I I can't really, that's a hard thing to say. It, it all, it, it's, you know, it was a it was a process. You know, one year I started, then I started again, then I would come back to New York, then I'd go back to Florida, and it it was um. It, it it's hard to quantify how long it took.
1: So, um, so we I know you so you went down to Florida to the shake leg and you went back and forth, but you weren't down there full time. But I'm guessing when you were down there that you felt better when you were down there and probably not as good when you were away from there. Is that a fair assumption?
0: Well, I found I found um, a real freedom being on the water. Okay. I'd always been someone that I loved water. I loved swimming. But I had never sailed. I grew up in New York City and there wasn't um, much um, opportunity to sail. And I had never sailed. So sailing was something that I, I felt such an affinity for and gave me such a feeling of freedom. And it was an equalizer. And I would be on the boat, I would be out of my wheelchair. And for three or four hours on that boat, I could command, I could command the vessel you know, they were small, like 16 foot boats. And I, everything else fell away. And I would just be with the wind and the other people that I was with, whether they were, had disabilities or not. It was all equal on the boat. And I found just, I found joy on the water.
1: Fantastic. And
0: it had been, and joy was hard to find at that time in my life. Right. I never expected it to come back to me.
1: That's fantastic. For
0: not just for not only for my accident and my pain but also for the loss of my loved one of my husband.
1: Right. I'd like to jump way ahead in the story to the last 5 years when you came across the impossible dream. How that story started and what the last few years have been like offering this service to other people.
0: Okay. So I had a friend from Italy who is a paraplegic and he had a sail, he um, built a boat, a catamaran that was, had cat, that he invited me on. He invited me to go on a trip with him on this boat. And I went on the trip and I was amazed at what it felt like to live on the water and to be part of a crew. So I came back from there and I got together with Harry Horgan, who is the founder of Shake-A-Leg Miami. And I said, you know, I want to do something. Shake-A-Leg needs a boat. We need, we need a bigger boat. We need a boat. And slowly we started talking about it and we met with some boat builders who were, didn't take us very seriously, or didn't take me very seriously. And being a woman had something to do with it besides right. having a disability. Right. And then I found out about a boat for sale in the UK. And her name was The Impossible Dream. And she's the only boat on record ever to be built from the ground up to be wheelchair accessible. And I decided to go over there. I asked Harry to come with me and I asked my Italian friend to meet me there because I knew nothing about boats. I had no idea what I was doing. And we went to England and I found the impossible dream. And I saw her and I fell in love and I purchased her. Perfect. And um, we brought her to to Miami. Her permanent home is at Shake Leg Miami, and I founded a nonprofit and I have been completely dedicating myself to, th- there are so many um, segments to what I do. There are so many factors, you know, one of the, I, I am, I love design and I am, you know, I, I and I'm always looking for ways to make de- design for people that live that need more accessibility in their homes and in their cities to make design, not just more functional, but more palatable to make, I love beauty. I I don't, I don't like to see things that are made less beautiful because it has to be accessible. That's not necessary. And the impossible dream is the perfect example of universal design. And that was the first thing that I fell in love with. And for the back of
1: the boat, it looks like a normal boat, right? I mean, for at least the pictures I saw. I mean, when I look at the pictures of your boat, it looks just like a regular sailboat.
0: Oh, yeah. No, she, she's more beautiful than a regular sailing catamaran. Her lines, she's gorgeous. A funny story is, is when, um, when I, went, I went to England and I came back and I had bought her not knowing what I was doing, basically. And so I got back to New York and the first thing I did, I I went on Amazon and I got the biggest, best book on catamarans I could find. Okay. And I get the book and I start going through it. And of course she's in the book, <laughs> you know, so she's okay. a very, she's a very important, important um, vessel for her lines and her she's just she's beautiful so that is that that's the part of accessible design and universal design that i really move forward with uh, when i meet people and talk about this book but the other part is is uh oh i have a dog
1: okay we'll cut this out in a second okay
0: sorry we
1: can cut this out wait wait, wait for a second
0: can you hold on hold on a second winter Come here, come here. Okay, let's try. (laughs) Okay,
1: that dog's going to seriously. Sorry.
0: It's okay. You were saying the... um, The other, but the other thing was being able to take people with disabilities in wheelchairs out on, on the boat, having them experience getting salty getting wind in their face not being humiliated being able to be themselves and be equal with everybody else when on this boat and it's incredible what it does for the we we do we do two th- we do short voyages like three hours with groups of okay. people with disabilities and besides everything they find community on the boat they find community while they're enjoying the sun we allow them to drive the boat and it it just it changes lives it sounds it sounds trite and silly in a way to say that i change lives but i we do change lives we do we we bring people out of out of some kind of darkness whenever we can.
1: Well no, that it makes total sense. I mean we've been doing this workshop at the Omega Institute, as you know, for many years. And yes. literally three days, the entire group goes to pain free. Now they go back to their right. pain when they go home, but they've tasted it. And once they've tasted it, somehow their brain gets back to being being able to get into that pain-free state. But what I think it does, it wakes up those circuits in the brain that have been dormant for a while. They're there. They get crushed by life in general, but connecting to those circuits that know how to enjoy life is a huge part of the healing process. And then people that are familiar with the Doc project is in stage four, there's two things that that are the ultimate answer to chronic pain. Um, One of them I call the spiritual journey, which means good food, good wine, good friends, religion if you want. Um, But the other part, which I think is a step beyond is actually giving back. And what happens when you're giving back, your attention comes off of yourself to the other person. Also, social connections are a big deal because, again, your brain's going a different direction. You can't fix chronic pain, but you can move away from it. And we have that sense of purpose in moving forward that actually is the ultimate answer to chronic pain. And As you know from our discussions, that mental pain is actually a bigger problem than the physical pain. And once your brain gets moved in a different direction, absolutely, it does make a huge difference. And if you get patients to taste... You get people to taste that even for an hour. It's unbelievable what that makes. And so that you're exactly verifying what i've seen for a long time i think it's fantastic um i like if you could spend a minute or two just tell people what your life is like now because this is almost a full-time job for you yet yeah? keeping this project yes going.
0: It's, it's harder than i've ever worked before okay i mean i work i you know so what is my life like i spend a lot of, I, I really enjoy spending as much time as possible on the boat and I enjoy spending time meeting all the people that come on the boat and and greeting people and being there to make people feel more secure. I don't like, I, I don't want it to be people come on the boat, not have any connection to the people that, to myself and and the others that volunteer on the boat, I I want everyone that comes on the boat to have a connection to us because we are them. Right. We were where they are, and I was where they are. So I don't want to. I want to be on the boat. That that's I. I don't know how much longer I can endure it. <laughs> right. Because I am sixty five, but I want I still and this it'll be going on six years now and we just finished our fifth summer tour okay and it's very important to connect to people to the people that come on the boat for right. a few hours at the time um so that my life is on the boat for about four or five months and then my life is I um live in the country with my dog and I live by myself and I have to say that um, when, when I had my accident, we were dreaming this life of living in the country in this house that I told you about right. in the previous week. And when my husband passed away and I came back to New York, I believed that I could never have that life. Right. I believed that I could never live on my own in the country, in the city, yes in apartment buildings and my family around me but and it, it's not true the impossible dream gave me the courage to find a piece of la- land and build something in the country and i live here on my own with my dog and i'm per- perfectly capable and happy and i would never have imagined that i could do something like this
1: and the impossible dream was a big factor in making that happen
0: the impossible dream showed me who I am. Perfect. And what I can do.
1: You also made a comment about your life you're likely to share with the listeners here in the last couple minutes about what your life is like in general.
0: Are you talking about how my how I don't know what it would have been like right. if I wasn't injured? Correct. Right, so this is, so before before the impossible dream and the years after um, my injury and the, the tragedy, I would meet people such as my friend from Italy who took me on his boat. And some people with injuries and disabilities would tell me that, they were happy. They would never go back. They would never trade their lives for what they were before. And I could never really understand that until this experience that I'm having. And the other thing that I really realized and what really changed it for me and what I feel um, people ask me all the time to speak to other people with new injuries. And, and I never felt like I had a lot to tell them. But I do now. And what, what it really is, is that I, you can't recreate your old life. You can't recreate who you were. You can't go back and try to be that person again. You need to take it all with you. Everything that has happened to you is who you are, and that's what you need to move forward with, and trying to be and resurrect the life before, you, you're not moving forward, actually, right. you're moving back, and, and that's the lesson, is in moving forward, and I'm just putting this together now, sort of, but in moving forward, you, you can't recreate, and I finally realized that. Right. And it freed me to it freed me in every way.
1: Well, Deborah, the things that you said, even just that last five sentences are fantastic. It really is the essence of the healing process. And as you know, I could spend hours talking about what you just said, but you <laughs> just encapsulated the entire healing process in about five sentences. I mean, you really just deal it. You're moving forward, you're who you are, you're not trying to change the past. you you're living one day at a time and you're happy and i am and every time i see you by the way you know every time i see you you look younger every year that we come back and see you i'm serious (laughs) how's that for line? no seriously it's really i like
0: that (laughs) so anyway
1: all right well thank you for your time and i'm suspecting we'll probably try to get you back on the show again because there's so many things that you just said that are just incredibly valuable and even your parents perspective i'd like to talk about that a little bit more but this is fantastic i really appreciate your time and could you just tell the audience one more time about how to get a hold of your project? This is a nonprofit, so fundraising is a big Our part non- of
0: it. Yes, Fun, so on, what you
1: do, right?
0: we rely on, on donations from the public, and we also encourage sponsorship from um, companies, corporations that would like to sponsor us. And you can find us at www.theimpossibledream.org. And you can also go online there and get in touch with us. If you would like on your own to be, to come onto the impossible dream, or if you have a group that you would like to bring on the impossible dream and sailing on the impossible dream, is no cost to anyone we rely on donor support to help our our the public who comes on the boat so www.theimpossibledream.org get in touch with us send me an email i'll respond
1: deborah thank you very very much
0: thank you david tom thank you well again david Deborah, this has been
1: hugely insightful and enlightening. And and it's been great to hear about you uh, leaving one dream behind and discovering a whole new, better dream through your your tragedy and recovery. I want to remind our listeners to return with us next week for another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. And be sure to visit the website at www.backincontrol.com.